This is Our People and Mother Earth on KWSO. The annual Warm Springs Reservation Tribal Member Horse Sale is coming up on June 4th. The second annual event is organized by Harry Hizataki III and his family. Harry grew up on the reservation, and raising horses is something that has always been a part of his daily life. The knowledge and way of life he has passed on to his own children are things he learned from his own family and being raised on a ranching family. Uh, it would be my uncle Richard Tohet and my uncles, the Greens, uh, Mike, Timmy, Roscoe, Chris Green, the late Daniel Green. Just up there at the Green Ranch for Breen and Green. Beans' place up here in Dry Creek, Upper Dry Creek. And just being up there all the time. It was just a way of life. So um, between spring and fall, we would round up horses, work them, brand them, call out a few, sell them, feed them, water them, you know, cut the scuds, turn them into gildings. Had to get up early. The saying was at the ranch was if you don't get up and get up out the door with your uncles, you'd have to stay home and bake biscuits with the grandmas and the aunties. And they would uh, show up out to wherever we were working cattle or horses and bring food out for us to eat lunchtime. And when we'd get back at the end of the day, sometimes dark time, they would always have dinner ready for us. Harry talks about what they would do with the horses and what sets Warm Springs horses apart from others. Broke them, some of them. Um, some of them rodeo stock, sell some of them. You know, the price now versus back in the 80s and early 90s is a whole different thing now, you know. The price has gone way down. You know, obviously everybody knows the price of fuel's gone up, so kill buyers or anybody that wants to buy them is having a hard time trying to get out here to buy them because it's just too expensive to come get a an unregistered horse that's not papered. You know, a papered horse is worth a lot more than one of our reservation horses. Doesn't mean they're necessarily better. Our res horses are a hell of a lot tougher. So our Warm Springs horses there, you know, obviously everybody knows our area out here if you're around from around here. It's rocky, hard terrain. We can go from desert to the timber, down to the big rivers. And there's a lot of land out here that just makes his horses hardy like we are, you know, growing up out here and just having to be tough, you know, foraging in the winter on their own, you know, because the tribe has an open range policy. And so that means that if you belong to one district, which you know, I do. Your horses can roam in that district freely as long as you maintain them and try and keep your numbers down. You know, it's for use. So they're just a lot tougher. Every horse is different. So um, papered horses, they, they tend to be hot, you know, hot-blooded, warm-blooded is what they call it. Our Warm Springs horses, once you get past their tough barrier of them trusting you, you know, because they, they can be pretty ornery sometimes, but once you get past that issue of them trusting you, they're the best horse you can have. I mean, I've had race horses, quarter horses, Arabs, just about every papered horse you can think of, and I don't use them as much as I do use my reservation horse that we broke, the ones we have broke. They're just a lot tougher. And, um, you know, breaking and raising wild horses is not easy. You've got to grow up doing it. I've had some people that have bought some horses from the res here from different families that have called me and said, hey, you know, we can't break this horse. We're having too much trouble. And I tell, I tell them, you know, it's, it's different trying to break a res horse versus breaking a papered horse. You can go buy, you know, this horse for $2,000 when you can buy a res horse for a couple hundred dollars. And in the end, that $200 horse is going to give you more than what that $2,000 horse is going to give you as far as ranch work and pleasure riding. So I know that um, 
There's groups like the Warm Springs Voice Network, Essential Oregon Equine Rescue, and they have a way to um, get your horses, as long as they're from here, get them registered with the Wild Indian Horse something, I can't remember, but it's basically it's a um, little club that where you can register your native horses with them if they're from here. Raising horses is a way of life for Harry. Today, he says there's much less involvement in the day-to-day care for horses. So, growing up in Dry Creek, I grew up a little bit in Tenino, too, up there with, you know, that's the Switzerlers and the Smiths and a lot of that family up there, the Winnishets. Um, but I grew up in Dry Creek mostly with the Greens and the Towheads. And um, we raise horses. Me and my kids now are doing it. And uh, my brother Garrett Green and his dad and just a few of us, you know, where there used to be 30 of us, now there's five, six of us trying to control a herd of four to 500. You know, it was a lot easier. Even 10 years ago, we had had more riders. Now I got two riders and we have to use an ATV to start them. And then my riders pick them up, put them in a trap cow, and we have to haul them. And, you know, we maybe catch one good herd. Our day is done because we have to haul them, feed them, water them, house them somewhere. And it just it's a tedious task. It, it really is. I mean, we're not in it for the money because obviously there's just no money in horses, but we do it because it's, it's, it's family, tradition. It's, it's what we've done for years and years and years. I can date it back to my great-great-grandpa doing it. So me and my kids do it just because we love it. It gives us something to do. It's one thing we can agree on. You know, as family goes, you don't agree on everything. But when it comes to horses, we agree on everything. You know, we're, we're always on the same page almost all the time. So there are families. Most of them do cattle and horses. With me and my kids, we just do horses because that's enough. That stretches us thin as it is already. And I just couldn't imagine doing cattle. But I do help my brother Garrett and his dad, the Green family, do their cattle. And um, I used to help Atwai Buck and Smith and Jason when they had their cattle going. You know, we try to go back to the old ways and help everybody out without asking for a dollar, you know, or, or pay me to come help you. No, if I need help someday, maybe I can ask you and you can come help me. That's just how it, that's, that's how it works with a few of us families left that are doing horses still. Harry spent quite a few years working with the horse removal program in Warm Springs. He talks about the importance of keeping the numbers of wild horses on the reservation to a manageable number. So how it goes is the tribe had this program starting in 2011 and they closed down in 2018. Between that time and there, I think they rounded up 6,000 to 7,000 horses and got rid of them. We need to get the um, numbers down because it's called AUM's Animal Unit Monthly. What it does is that number is a calculation of what per livestock cattle or horse can be on a certain piece of land for that month that will sustain them. Now, you got to remember that's just livestock. That's not counting deer and elk and that kind of stuff, the wildlife. So in order for the wildlife to thrive around here and for us to sustain ourselves and being able to hunt and fish around here, we need to keep those numbers down. Even cattle, they need to come down. But horses mostly because they're just not worth much worse. Somebody will go catch a cow and it's worth a lot more than the horses. So we got to keep the numbers down so that we can keep our wildlife available. So horses and cattle, if there's too many of them, they'll erode the riverbanks, the streams, and which then it messes with our salmon and fish population. So there's a lot that factors factors into this that needs to be done. 
And so without that program no more, the, the numbers are just going to shoot back up. Because you got to remember, a mare will produce a baby almost every year. And when they become two, they they can become, you know, pregnant. And that one will have another one and so on and so on. And if we don't get the numbers checked, we're just going to have so many around here that we're, what are we going to hunt, you know? Eventually, the fish won't be able to come back up because the streams will be polluted, overrun, damaged. So I'm hoping that we can get more families to start back to being horsemen again. At some point, me and my daughters want to have a horse program that teaches kids from the school here, the K-8 through K-8, horsemanship. You know, even if I have to give them a horse for free, I am willing to do that to teach them. We just, we need more management. We need more people with knowledge. Raising horses is hard work. Harry says the number of people who do the work over the years has become less and less. That's our issue is we just don't have enough help. And experienced help is really hard to come by, really, really hard. And today, you know, technology is good and bad. It's, I have a hard time getting these younger generation to get off their phone you know, their game systems, you know, get out and enjoy what's out here. You know, we only have so much time out here on this earth and why spend it in a, as I say, generated world, a, a fake world. You know, when we have this horses right here, we have this cattle, we have fishing, we have hunting, we have all this out here, this land. And what are these younger kids going to do with it when we get, when I get older, what are they going to know, you know, this like let's say this like this hunting area, this fishing area, are they gonna know it? Or is it all information that's gonna be lost? Same with the horses and cattle. All this information that I know that I've learned from my uncles and I'm still learning. I don't know everything. But the things I do know I pass on to my kids and I'm hoping I can pass it on to other kids so that they you know, it comes a time say there comes a time that gas is no longer available, diesel is no longer available. What are you gonna do to transport yourself? I, I'm just saying, whatever. I don't say it's going to happen, but if you're able to break a horse, ride a horse, you can get anywhere you want in this world. At one time, Harry's daughters made a living with horses and tourism. So it depends on the res- the regulations that the tribe sets here. But my daughters, at the same time, were holding um, Mustang tours, and they would take people and ride all day long with them out on our range and show them the wild horses and. Just show them our land and feed them lunch and whatnot for a certain amount of money. But it's hard to get people to come out here and do that when we don't have Canada no more. They did have the stables. We did okay. I mean, we didn't do real good, but we did okay enough for my two daughters to make a living. I wish there was a way we could utilize our horses more and show people what we can do with them and what they can do. And what there, I know a lot of people around here that could break a horse and the horse trainers over off the res get paid a good amount of money. We could do the same. We really could. My daughter, Aliyah, she could break a horse like no other. And my other daughter, Chatsi, they can ride. So I, I don't know. It's, I wish there was somewhere we could market what we can do as tribal members. The annual Warm Springs Reservation tribal member horse sale is coming up on June 4th. The second annual event is organized by Harry Hizataki III and his family. So how it works is you gather horses as a tribal member. Any, By the way, any tribal member that wants to gather and sell horses can bring them. 
you're more than welcome to bring them. We'll help you try and sell them for whatever price you want. I'm not setting a price high or low. It's whatever you, as a tribal member, um, think you deserve for them. And I honestly am trying to help clean up the land and help a tribal member make a little bit of money in these hard times. You know, um, it starts, like I said, June 4th, 11 a.m. up here at the Rodeo and Industrial Park. We invited a lot of people. We used social media. We made some flyers. So how we're doing it on my side is we're going to number all the horses we have. We have about 50 head for sale. We're going to st- put stickers on them, write down what they are, um, how old they are, color. And uh, these people are just going to kind of wander around. And if they find something they like, they'll write it down and come back to our little office and say, hey, you know, I like number 111. What's the starting bid? $200. So they'll put a $200 bid. We'll give them half an hour. And if nobody comes to bid in half an hour on that horse, we'll let them know. That's your horse. Pay for it. Get the paperwork done by a range rider and a receipt. Get them loaded up and they're gone. It's a simple, no auctioneer, no nothing. As far as the other families, I just tell the people that show up, like the Suppa showed up last year, the Suppa Ranch. And they're like, what about those horses? I said, go talk to them fellows over there. And they just went and talked to them. You know, just the old style, you know, just handshake and conversation, you know. And they made deals with people and sold them, you know. I've made a lot of connections and friends from last year's sale, and it was our first year doing it. And this year we expect a a lot more. And then there's the the bad side of it, too, you know, where there's people that don't want you to sell a Mustang. They want you to turn them free. And, you know, everybody has a right to their opinion. They do. But for us to just let these horses go unchecked, we got to keep them in check. And so I'm hoping that, Good or bad, people show up, find out how good our horses are, how good our people are, how friendly we are, and we can make friendships with these other people, you know, that'll last into our next generation of people. So they'll say, hey, you know, that Suppa family, that Florendo, that Spino, them Smiths, Switzlers, or whoever it be, you know, hey, they're good people, you know, get a hold of them. We can probably get a couple good horses from them. Even if you tribal members want to buy a horse, come up and buy one, you know, we'll make a good deal for you. You know, if you had horses in the past or you never had horses in the past, if you want to start, we will help you. We will work out a reasonable price to get you going, to get you interested in them. You know, please come up, support. Um, If you want to come up and sell fry bread, jewelry, T-shirts, anything, come on up, sell it. It's open. There will be plenty enough people there that are interested to buy stuff. I invite anybody. That is Harry Hizitaki III sharing his experience raising horses and how he keeps the way of life ongoing for his children and giving some insight to the tradition of horsemanship and ranching in Warm Springs. He and his family invite anyone interested to the second annual Warm Springs Reservation Tribal Member for sale on Saturday, June 4th at 11. Thank you for listening to Our People and Mother Earth on 91.9 FM KWSO.